We all need to laugh. We choose truth over facts. And now for a perpetual political protest in progress. Judge my physical mental suit, my physical as well as my mental suit fitness. Coffee time. And welcome to the Ammo Can Coffee Social Club Conservative Hour of Power and Enlightenment Salon. This is Jason Floyd, your host, along with Loretta Eaton with her plucky commentary and enormous stack of stuff. Today we have uh, two guests in the studio, uh, Kristen Coletti-Giesler and Steve Giesler, owners of Functional Medicine of Alaska. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, these these Thank you. these folks are um, they are on the front lines uh, of the uh, ongoing COVID. Um, I, I don't know crisis. I, I don't want to call the COVID crisis the crisis, but the crisis of our government in treating an illness. Um, so uh, we have a lot of stuff to get through today. We're going to try and keep it to an hour. But as you know. Uh, as we're off to do, if there's more cool stuff to talk about and important information to impart, we will go long. It's likely we'll go long today. Um, so I just want to kind of open with, uh, before we get into deeper dive on what uh, Mr. and Mrs. Giesler are doing, um, just wanted to talk to you about um, shortages. So I went over to Fred Meyer today because I needed a printer cartridge. And the only printer cartridge that wasn't available was mine. <laughs> I think my printer is probably one of the most popular selling printers. And so I asked the gentleman up front, uh, hey, do you know when I can get a, one of these printer cartridges? And he says, I don't know, man. You know, shortages are everywhere and we can't get anything. And, and I can't tell you. He says, did you know that you can't get blue rhino propane? It's wild, right? And I was like, wow, blue rhino propane. So you cannot get blue, blue rhino propane propane i mean that's a staple for some people you know they cook with it they heat with it um what is going on other shortages that uh that we're experiencing um regeneron what is regeneron steve tell us what regeneron is you don't know what you oh, oh man so regeneron the the other name for the monoclonal oh. antibody test so regeneron um, I was talking to a surgeon today, or this week, who came into the shop, who will remain unnamed to protect the innocent. And um, we were talking all things COVID, and uh, he said, oh, you know, we, we are giving the uh, monoclonal antibody shot at the hospital. and Because um, I was asking about therapeutics and other things, and, and he was very proud about the fact that they were giving the shot. And he said, although we seem to not be able to get any supply of it. <laughs> So it's great that they're given the shot, but if they can't get it, what good is the shot? And then uh, in my calls to people in places around the state, I was talking with uh, staff from Senator Laura Reinbold's office, and they confirmed as well that one of the clinics up in Anchorage that um, they've been talking with, that giving the Regeneron monoclonal antibody uh, treatment, only had 400 doses left, and they were just pulling their hair out because they didn't know what to do. That was their primary go-to for helping people who were very sick. 
And um, Loretta, in her stack of stuff, told me that the government has has what, Loretta? Oh, they've, they've taken control oh. of the supply of monoclonal and antibodies. Thank bodies, God. You know. Thank yeah. God that the government yeah. has taken control. So remember what happened with the uh, ventilators, you know? They had millions produced, and then they ended up in the uh, dump. So I wonder if this is what's going to happen. Well, you know, I mean, I mean, we, we must trust that our government has our best interests in mind. So when they take control of something that's working and then all of a sudden we don't have supply, they must have a good reason. Well, well yeah, because I think they're trying to punish. You know, punish, punish. Okay. DeSantis is already, they're running out in Florida, Texas. Alabama's being punished. Um, who else? Anybody that I think voted red. Oh, I remember the president saying something about dealing with those governors. Yeah, and that's how, they're, that's how they're getting dealt with. So now, you know, so does it surprise anyone what they've done with ivermectin? You know, I have a good friend who's flat on his back sick with, mm. with uh, COVID. Uh, by the way, he received the, I believe, the Pfizer shot, and um, it immediately caused him some great problems in his legs. After Ooh. he got over that later on, about I think it's been about four months since his second dose, um, now he's really sick, really sick. And, um, yeah. and he talked to a very highly qualified professional in the community who is one of the few people who is uh, uh, prescribing therapeutics, and he got a prescription for ivermectin. And when he tried to fill it, they said $1,300 just for him and i've been told you can get it like 10 bucks in mexico so um road I, trip road trip yeah yeah no, somebody no. you know road trip the other thing we seem to be in really short supply of is borough mayors lately especially this morning so this is uh, i know that folks are um we're hoping to hear mayor charlie pierce on the show this morning but he called me and said that duty calls he's work, been working around the clock trying to protect those in the borough who uh, are not um, not able to take the vaccine, don't want to take the vaccine for either religious or philosophical uh, reasons, and uh, that he needed to spend some time with his wife. So uh, I know he's been doing a lot. So I, I, Steve has got a grin like a Cheshire oh. cat. Oh, so so ahead, Steve, Steve, Steve I, let, let us in. I was go just going to make a joke that make, duty yeah. calls. He was stuck on the porcelain throne this morning. Duty, <laughs> <laughs> duty calls. Wish uh, wish that well, were you, so, but you, you know, my friend, you get to come back on the show. Yeah, <laughs> but don't you think, Jason, that any wise politician would take a look at this and really, this could really, um, you know, cement their cement them in our you know our memories if they stood up for us because i uh, isn't that an know. oxymoron wise politician i don't know it's kind of like army intelligence well you know my dad was in the army my granddad was in the army so all you army guys out there don't be haters you no. know exactly what i'm talking about well i'm trying to be nice yeah so 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 so, so long story short uh, mayor pierce is not going to mm -hmm. be joining us but um i know that he has appeared with uh, Miss Geisler in the past, and this morning we were starting a little bit late because she gave some testimony to the borough assembly. So, so Kristen, can you tell us a little bit about um, what is a nurse practitioner? Well, I started out many years ago, back when Florence Nightingale was a nurse as a nurse, um, and then I went back to school and became a nurse pra became a nurse practitioner. I'm board certified in family and also emergency 
Um, I do not practice in the emergency department anymore. I have gone back to school and obtained a board certification in functional medicine, anti-aging, and metabolic medicine. And What is metabolic medicine? Metabolic medicine, oh goodness, that's a loaded question. Um, metabolic medicine, thinking more along the terms of root cause, your whole metabolism. Okay, all right. So we look for things that will affect not only your entire body system, but your metabolism as well. So this is like a systems approach to healthcare. Body as a whole. Oh yes. my goodness. I spend new patients. I spend about an hour to 90 minutes with, um, it's a long visit. Um, I, I do lots of testing and come up with the root cause of why they don't feel well, or, you know, not every patient that sees me doesn't feel well. They want to be well and they want to live to be 114. That's my goal for all my patients. So, um, functional medicine of Alaska. I know Be Well is something that's on your business card. Yes, Be Well is our sister clinic. Functional medicine of Alaska is is our initial, our first clinic we opened over uh, in 2018. 18. And it is more of a family practice, uh, whole body care. Be Well is, is something we've set up for quicker visits um, for the COVID patients, because if you're, you're sick with COVID, you need care today. Um, you do not need to go through my functional medicine intake. You don't need a two hour visit, an hour and a half visit to, to um, have a sick visit. Um, Be Well is also set up for our self-pay patients that can't afford you know the rates that we charge with um, for the insurance rates. You, so it's a better will, it's a better will, clinic. You will be seeing me because I am <laughs> one of those uninsured folks. Yes. I am, I'm just a humble coffee guy. So it's basically functional medicines insurance and be well is our for our self pay patients. Okay. Yeah. All right. So so just ballpark. I mean, with all the certificates and all the schooling and stuff, how how much study did it take for you to get to this place where you're able to now as a nurse practitioner, you're able to prescribe, correct? Yes. So I'm, so tell I'm us still in school. Well, tell what are us, you saying? Tell, no, it well, never tell stops. Us, <laughs> tell tell us a little bit about um, what kind of time investment you have into learning this art because medicine is an art, much like law, you know, when you're a lawyer you practice law. When you uh, are in medicine, you practice medicine with the idea that practice makes perfect and you always have to practice because perfection is impossible. Yes, that's correct. I think the best way for me to answer that question is to explain that medicine is constantly changing. And the difference between my style of practice and a mainstream model is I'm looking at all of the studies, hence I'm using oh, are, the are, FLCC protocols. Are you are you asserting mm -hmm. that the science is not settled? <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other topic. But basically what I'm saying is I'm I'm very up to date. Uh -huh. I am constantly training. I'm doing a fellowship right now um, in anti-aging and um, in addition to my board certifications. It never stops. I've gone back and done genetics training. Um, it's 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 good for my patients. Um, I want them to, to get the best care. It is very common for my patients to come in, and I don't want to scare you away, by the way, mm -hmm. with no medical problems and leave with 16 diagnoses. That's awesome. That's like what happens when I take my car to the uh, mechanic. But you know what? You, you we will can notice. Fix things, you you notice that this old jalopy could use a tune up. 
Um, I, I'm not quite morbidly obese, but I do know that my BMI is a little bit higher than it should be. Um, you know, uh, so that's awesome. Let's uh, let's dive into Steve for a minute. Um, Steve, I know you and I have had a couple of conversations lately. You know, I've had a number of people who have been sick with COVID. My, my daughter is pregnant and she was sick with COVID. My son-in-law uh, had COVID. Um, you know, a, a number of folks have had COVID. My, my, uh, my other son and his wife, um, they've got COVID. They actually have it actively now. They're, they're kind of coming out the other side of it. Um, but uh, so my family is not immune. You know, I had it back in October. And uh, so I reached out to Steve because my loved ones were all hurting and they weren't getting care. They were, they were, they were talking to local providers and uh, not getting what they needed. And I heard about this clinic and I talked to Steve and I asked him a little bit about his background. He share, share kind of your passion, where you've come from Steve and in, in your journey. Um, started off in South Florida, uh, certified firefighter, EMT, uh, EMS and, uh, you know, greater Fort Lauderdale area. Um, when Kristen and I came up with the health service Corps, um, expanded into uh, diagnostic x-ray and then went on to get my health coach certification. Um, what does a health coach do? Oh goodness. Um, the smart aleck in me says we make stuff up as we go along. Um, <laughs> See, I told you Loretta, he gets yeah. to come back. Yeah. He um, definitely. <laughs> Um, well, I don't know what all health coaches do. Um, in our practice, um, we, one of the things we focus on is uh, every year patients have to tell us what their health goals are. Um, I think something that's been lost over time in healthcare is we've forgotten it's about the patient. Mm-hmm. And it's all, we keep going to these algorithms and, you know, BMI charts. I really, I've hated the BMI chart for a long time. Because I'm, I'm just big boned. Don't well, look at me like that, okay? So here's a great example. I'm 5'7". Uh, I used to be 5'8 before I herniated some discs, but I'm 5'7". I joined the fire service, and I put on 30 pounds of muscle. So That was I, incredibly unhealthy of you. Right, incredibly unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So my BMI immediately went into the overweight category. I wasn't overweight. I happened to have put on a bunch of muscle because they tortured me in the fire academy. Um, so instead of following all those algorithms, we find out, well, what is a patient's goals, you know, and then we're going to try and meet those goals or exceed them. Um, so we work directly with the patient. We find out, you know, obviously Kristen's going to tell me what's going on with them as far as what's wrong, what hurdles do they have to overcome? And then I'm going to help them figure out how to meet those goals within the parameters that were set, you know, so... Let's say, go ahead. So I just had a thought, and it'll go right out the other side of my head if I don't Mm -hmm. say this right now. Mm -hmm. And in in the, uh, because the the devil's advocate in the back of my brain is, you know, raising hands. And I I don't want to be so, you know, focused on the narrative we are creating here um, and promoting that we ignore folks who have legitimate questions. Um, And one of the questions would be, you know, if somebody comes to you and asks you uh, or says, hey, I'm really, really seriously considering taking one of these vaccine options, I, and here's the reasons why. I'm, you know, I've got all of these 
precursors, these issues, these problems, and uh, um, you know, I'm concerned. Or, or maybe, maybe uh, my folks live with me, and they are frail, and I want to, I want to protect them. Um, if they're actively seeking the vaccine, what's your response? I'm going to take that first. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I stole the microphone from Steve. <laughs> Since we opened in 2018, I have always been the clinic that supports my patients' decisions. I have... <gasps> imagine that! To vaccinate or not vaccinate. All the room was just... All the, all the air was just sucked out of the room. I have children that pediatricians won't see them because they're not vaccinated. Well, my kids are seen in my clinic that are not vaccinated. Everybody has a right to health care. Imagine that. So... COVID's been here for a little while now, and I still support my patients' decisions. They are encouraged to do lots of reading before they decide to get a vaccine, any vaccine, not just COVID. Um, and I am there to answer questions to the best of my ability. I don't typically give my personal opinion unless someone asks for it. There are many patients that I see that have a lot of medical conditions. Um, we have a huge huge problem with mold in the community just so you know and those patients with chronic inflammatory response syndrome I try to bathe cannot get the vaccine if you have extremely high cytokines you can't get the vaccine and i have currently about 300 patients they're mold sick from moldy buildings that's that's what that's called a cytokine is a mold sickness um it's one or of the things that happens when you've had when you've been in a moldy building for a long time um, so like all of nikiski Pretty much. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I, no. I said that for Loretta's. That benefit. is a whole. That, the, the moldy water damage building is a whole show, darling. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, we no, could talk no, about I, that another time. I, I grew up in Nikiski. You know, I've had my share of exposure to mold. So. So unfortunately, I've got a lot of patients in cytokine storm that shouldn't get this vaccine at the present time. So I try to look at the patient's medical history. If they've got clotting issues, whether it's SIRS or clotting defects, history that is not a good thing with the vaccine, we go over all of that. And at the end of the day, it's their decision. I will take care of the patients that are vaccinated and unvaccinated. It's their right. Um, and unfortunately, I'm seeing quite a lot of discrimination in workplaces, um, which is just causing so much stress. And, you know, I work in functional anti-aging. Stress is not good for your body. So someone that has to get a daily COVID test to go to work and treat like be treated like crap by their coworkers is well, just I don't, not I don't good. know. When I was when I was in the legislature, I, th I thought it was hilarious to to see the um, see the uh, representatives Merrick and Rasmussen, mm. Erasmus, uh, very very um, I, I would say youngish ladies, um, younger than me, I think uh, if I remember correctly. They both dyed their hair silver. Mm. What is that about? I mean, I thought, is, is silver the new blonde, it Loretta? Is. It is. Okay. Silver's the new blonde. Silver's the new blonde. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, anti-aging, anti-aging. That's, uh, yes, Steve. I was just going to comment um, on the whole vaccine thing. So, um, and providers offering options. Just yesterday, uh, my mother, with the physician that she's seen for over 10 years, actually got yelled at because she has not had the vaccine she's had covid so she has natural immunity um has not had the vaccine and he told her that if she gets sick quote she should just go to the hospital he will not take care of her he's done everything that he can i'm pretty sure that's part of the hippocratic oath 
that uh, if your patient does not take a treatment recommendation, you are to yell at them until they comply or leave crying. I, I'm actually looking at, at it on Google right now. It's, um, oh no, that's not the Hippocratic Oath. That's the Hippocratic Oath. Sorry. <laughs> oh, heavens. Um, that's what it is. <coughs> yeah, yeah. So My mistake. Yeah. It, it's just, this is what's happening. That's the only option that the mainstream medical model is giving patients. You vaccinate and that's it. And if you're not vaccinated, you're not going to have any treatments. And I have proven to myself, because I don't need to prove it to anybody else, that I can help my patients stay out of the hospital. I've been treating COVID for over a year. I've been using the um, FLCCC guidelines. And um, what is the FLCC? The Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance. I've been using their guidelines. Yeah. And I've also, I love Dr. Zelenko and yeah. his philosophy of when did we stop t treating patients? So I treat my patients. And I have had zero deaths. I've had patients call me and tell me that they're getting better in two days. President Trump used the... Go, go ahead and grab steal the mic. mic. Yeah, steal President the mic. Trump used the Zelenko protocol. Okay. when he recovered and he recovered do we all remember when he went in hospital he's a 70 something year old man yeah and we, we can't allow that to happen two or again. three days later and he uh, was on television the whole time even while he's being treated so yeah. come on so um let, let's talk a little bit let's let's talk a little bit about numbers uh Kristen. um so you said you've been treating COVID patients from the beginning. If you had to guess, or maybe you have these hard numbers right now in your brain, how many people <laughs> have you treated for COVID since the start of the pandemic? Okay, so I did not keep track because I just take care of patients. Um, and I can tell you that my colleague in Anchorage, Dr. Farr, I love her. She's also treating patients. Um, she has been tracking. One of her staffers has been tracking, and she's treated over 800 mm -hmm. and has had very little need antibodies and very low hospitalizations. I have not been tracking, but I, I knew you were going to ask me this. So the last two weeks, I counted, and I've taken uh, care of about... I knew you were going to ask me that. In the last two weeks, I've treated 110. In the last... Just the two last two weeks. The last weeks. two weeks. And, and, and what's the percentage of of uh, folks who are sick who have been vaccinated? Oh my goodness, I, I've just started to look at that. I would really have to say a little bit more than the unvaccinated population is, so, is so getting the, COVID. So, so you would not agree no. that 99% no. of the sick are the unvaccinated? No, I don't agree with it at all. That's not what I'm seeing well, that, with my patients. That's curious because I want to I want to use this as a transition point to start, start talking about a little bit deeper about the pharmacies and the role, their role in uh, this whole sort of system that we're supposed to have the greatest healthcare healthcare system in the world. And uh, I, I have to st tell a little story as sort of a, a preface to this. And uh, I don't have a I don't have a um, piece of paper to crinkle other than <laughs> like that. So I'm picking up my notepad here. Uh, that was uh, the theater of radio, I guess. Um, and uh, I, I belong, you know, there's a million different social networking uh, sites out there. Well, there's, there's, uh, there's one for professionals. It's called LinkedIn. People know about it. But there's another one that came on the scene maybe, I don't know, two or three years ago, a new one called Alignable. And the, the, the Alignable is, is about aligning local businesses with each other. 
and purposefully focusing on how can we benefit each other through affiliate sales or referrals or discounted pricing or, you know, I mean, all, all this kind of stuff. Well, the gods of the algorithm somehow decided that I really needed to connect with a pharmacy in Fairbanks. Fairbanks is a long way away from here. And Fairbanks didn't have any of the same friends that I had. And so I'm a little bit suspicious that that, uh, Bing or Google or whoever has been like watching all the things that I have been been searching lately about about this issue. And, And they decided that I just needed a good dose of medicine. From this uh, this contact, and so they said, "We recommend you contact this person." So I called. I called the I called the uh, Medical Center Pharmacy of Fairbanks, and uh, I want to read from their if I can find it here. Oh yeah, here we go from their homepage. Unrivaled patient care, founded in 1966. Medical Center Pharmacy is the oldest independently owned community pharmacy in Fairbanks, Alaska. Centrally located on Airport Way in the same building as the Image Optical and Urgent Care, U.S. HealthWorks. The year 2016 celebrates 50 years of continuous service to the Fairbanks community. It has had three owners in its history, James Murphy, Jerome Jackson, and current owners, Gerald K.W. Jerry and Nancy Brown. Jerry grew up in Fairbanks. And we have raised a family in the community. So I talked to Jerry. (laughs) Good old Jer. Remember, this is unrivaled patient care. And I said, hey, Jerry. So just curious. Not sure why Alignable connected us. But I'm I'm game. You know, Uh, I've actually been thinking about pharmacies a lot lately. So I wondered if I could steal a little bit of your time. And he said, sure. So I interviewed him for like an hour just a second we have somebody pounding on a table in the background oh that's michelle (laughs) it was very similar to the rapping noise that she does on my skull occasionally but anyway um so we are in the live environment in the cafe if you hear background noise that's what it is i'm not uh beating drumsticks or anything um so i talked to jerry for like an hour And Jerry made this statement that 99% of the patients in care right now for COVID are the unvaccinated. 99%. And I was like, Jer, come on. Honestly? Oh, yes, yes. It's a a very bad problem. And, and, And I said, well, you know, that's a funny story. And I told him about my friend. And I said, he's vaccinated. He immediately jumped on, well, when was his second dose? Because that matters, apparently. It does. And so um, I said, I, I don't know. I think it was like four months ago. It's been a while because he told me about it. I was very concerned because his, when he got it, you know, his legs went numb and some bad stuff happened. And, and he's like, well, was it the Pfizer medication? I said, I, I assume, you know, it's the one most readily available. <laughs> And, and he's like, well, you know, studies have shown that Pfizer isn't really that effective and, and it's it, that the Moderna one is better. And, and I said, but um, so, so let's, let's, let's get things straight. So you're saying that the Pfizer medication is, has less effectiveness or efficacy than the Moderna one, yet the FDA has approved the Pfizer one. Mm-hmm. 
Sort of. It's a bait and switch. Sort of. Sort as of. a bait, bait and, and switch. switch. And and I went there next and, and, and because he was he was like, Oh well it's it's the Pfizer and I was like, Okay, well, uh, you know, um, Dr. Zink's running all over the world, it seems these days. Just just the endless apologist for vaccination. And apparently said the other day something to the the, the effect of you know the the Pfizer medication that we have right now, and the uh, the Pfizer medication that has been uh, approved, which is called Comirnaty, uh, com- Comirnaty, which I have no idea how they come up with these names, but Comirnaty, it's kind of like absurdity, Comirnaty, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that there's nothing different between the two of them. They're the exact same formulation. The only eh, insignificant difference is that. Comirnaty, aside from not being available in Alaska, because it is a labeled drug that is approved by the FDA, now if you have an adverse reaction and enough people have adverse reactions, you can sue their faces off. Unfortunately, it's not available. But, you know, nothing to see here. Just take the the other one because the other one's the same thing. I mean... you know, and 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 um, he uh, he didn't have a very good answer for that, and he kind of went off on this mm-hmm. other direction. I said, "Well, tell me about ivermectin and and hydroxychloroquine, because I have a, another friend who got COVID. She was hospital bound, and but she actually got the ivermectin, and the hydroxychloroquine prescribed to her, took it." was feeling much better within hours not days hours of taking the medicine and by the next day she was like at 80 percent the next day she didn't even feel like she'd ever had a, a covid infection and um he said oh no no we don't we don't we don't uh we don't honor those those prescriptions at all because they are they are being prescribed off label in, in, in inappropriate ways that, that that the data and the science do not do not support and uh, so I went down that road with them and if you've tuned into our other podcasts you'll know about India and you'll know about mm-hmm. New, uh, Mexico City and you know about Japan yeah. Steve has something in his uh, Steve have you ever you ever smoked no no uh, other than being a firefighter and <laughs> and being smoked right right okay so so one thing we like to talk about is the great the late great rush limbaugh and his formerly nicotine stained hands well steve doesn't have those kitties so remember don't smoke it's bad for you yeah. so steve what what do you have in your non-nicotine stained fingers oh goodness um <laughs> where to start yeah At um the beginning. well well, at the beginning, that's a long time ago. I mean, yeah. ivermectin's been used since yeah. it was. What's that? No. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, ivermectin was approved in 1981, um, so it's got a 40-year history of use. Mm-hmm. Um, it came out around the same time as MTV. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and uh, I, I think the most disturbing part of that is the him making the comment about off-label use. Um, Mm. It's widely understood um, that about 20% of all Mm -hmm. prescriptions that go through a pharmacy are used for an off-label use. It's a well-established and common occurrence. Um, And any provider out there that's uh, listening right now will also recognize that if they're in family practice or uh, emergency, 
at least one point in their life, they have given someone an antibiotic that didn't really need it just so they didn't have to have the fight or the argument. Mm-hmm. Same um, isn't so. So. Oh. <laughs> so, so, you know, I did challenge uh, this gentleman on this issue, and I asked him directly, I said, what other drugs don't you uh, fill that are off-label mm-hmm. prescriptions? And he quickly changed the subject and gave me some obscure sort of analog... Uh, analogous sort of reference to me standing on the side of the road and a semi-truck going by and the wind blowing and viruses and blah, 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 blah. A bunch of psychobabble that mm. meant nothing. Mm. Nothing. And, and you know, um, tell, us, tell us a little bit about your interactions with the pharmacies. Um, well, before that, I, I wanted to uh, give you a quote from the World Health Organization. 2019, right before the, COVID hit. The who? The Who. Okay, The Who. The Who. And not the rock opera. No, no. (laughs) Um, Commercialized since 1981, it's low cost, high efficacy and safety, um, and almost zero impact on the biochemistry of human beings have led to its inclusion in the 21st World Health Organization list of essential medicines. Right, right. And and if I'm not mistaken, the, the Japanese researcher, along with Merck, Yep, got received the medical the the Nobel Peace Prize in medicine, right? You know, I I am not aware of any other researcher who's gotten a Nobel Peace Prize in medicine for creating a horse dewormer. <laughs> oh, oh goodness, goodness! There's a lot of jokes online about that right now. Um, it's such an old medication. It's got such a great safety profile, and unfortunately, I there. Every single provider writes drugs off-label. It's part of medicine. It's just what you do. Um, there's always reasons to write something off-label. And yeah. I feel very comfortable using the FLCC protocols because there's 55 studies that show this, and I've used it now for over oh, a year. So to answer your question, to answer your question about <laughs> the pharmacies... Getting, people, people are getting passionate. Yeah. They're swinging their arms swinging around. Swinging their arms around. <laughs> um, Watch out, Steve. <laughs> so what I'm seeing in Alaska is... The pharmacists have taken away the provider's rights to monitor their patients. So does a pharmacist have that right? Let's talk about that. I mean, I mean, they have to be licensed. They are licensed. I thought they could, they could say, please consult with your doctor because I have X, Y, and Z concerns. But can they just outright say, nope, not going to do it? If, it's- if I was going to prescribe someone, and I don't do this, a thousand oxycodones to take at bedtime. I would expect the pharmacist to refuse to fill that because that is not safe. I'm pretty sure and they, I would, they fill that though. I would expect that. We have a pandemic that. of uh, addictions. I would expect a call on that. But to refuse ivermectin, and now it's trickled down to the second line drugs. So I can't get ivermectin in the state of Alaska right now. I have to go out of state and use pharmacies that are willing to take care of patients um, for very little money. Um, it's expensive to get the drug here now, thanks to the federal stuff. Well, they're helping. Yeah, well, so the pharmacy that I'm using almost exclusively, I had two, but now I only have one. Um, they're making about $4 per prescription, so they're not marking it up. They're doing it out of the kindness of their heart. Um, and that takes 24 hours to get a drug. So if you're sick with COVID, 
24 hours is a long time to be sick and wait for your prescription to come overnight. And there's no such thing as overnight in Alaska. You, it's two days, right? It's two days most of the time. Maybe once in a while it'll get here in, in 24 hours. So I rely on the second-line drugs, and now I'm starting to have pharmacists not fill them. I have one pharmacist here, pharmacist here locally that's calling physicians, if they see azithromycin, if they see fluvoxamine, prednisone, dutasteride, spironolactone, the second-line drugs, they're playing God, in my opinion. Um, It's the patient's right to have alternative therapies. That's why we have informed consent. When I see someone that's COVID positive and sick, I'm going through the protocol. They understand that it's off-label, and it's their right to have that prescription and that treatment. But the pharmacists have been the bane of my existence up here. Um, The pharmacy board has scared our pharmacists into not dispensing. And it's it's a shame because this is patients' lives. Now, I, I have a track record. I have not had a single death since the pandemic began. Um, and I have, honestly, I've only had to send one patient for antibodies. One. Who got refused. Who got refused. To, to the hospital. To the hospital. And that's the, a So whole, the hospital refused to give them antibodies, but they were very sick. He wasn't vaccinated. Sick. Oh. So, they so actually said he was too sick. Oh. You're too sick to treat. I'm sorry. Yes. Go home. No, no, they didn't say go home. They said, we'll admit you for oxygen therapy. For a price. We'll admit you for a price. We'll give you oxygen. What does that mean? I mean, what's attached to that? So up until this poor poor patient, um, my patients have gotten well in 24 to 48 hours. He came to me late. He was a week, almost a week into his illness. He was at day six. And I was like, hey, it's going to be 24 hours before you get your ivermectin, thanks to not being able to fill it locally. So unfortunately, I, I sent him in for antibodies because he was, it was appropriate. He should have had them, and he was refused. So I've, um, I've had a really good track record. Ivermectin works if you can get it and get it quickly. And if you need to use the second-line drugs, they're there as well, and they do help. Um, but it's, it's been a huge roadblock for me to practice when I have pharmacies that won't fill the prescriptions. So we've talked about cash. We've talked mm. about cash that's attached to treatment. What kind, of cash, what kind of cash is attached to oxygen treatment? So... Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm hunting. <laughs> we actually talked about this earlier about Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Medicaid and that, that option to get oxygen treatment for COVID. What's attached to that for the hospital? Well, obviously neither of us work for the hospital. Um, but in speaking with medical billers, um, there's a, um, when a Medicaid patient um, is admitted to the hospital, there's a $30,000 reimbursement attached to that. What an incentive. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so they would not give him the monoclonal treatment, but they would admit him for oxygen. And Correct. If, and if they did that, then they would have been paid, if he was a Medicaid patient, he, they would have been paid $30,000 to basically not treat him. That's what I've been told. Wow. And not give give him any of the... Anything that would relieve his symptoms. Patient was actually told that anything I gave him wouldn't help. Um, Not even, like, they're not even encouraging zinc or vitamin D or anything. Is that true? Is that true that zinc and vitamin D don't help? Oh, my goodness. 
Um, so zinc helps stop the replication of COVID. Um, this is all new information, right? No. Just the hot off the presses this week, the CDC just discovered zinc works to do that? <laughs> no. Oh, no. Okay. Um, You'll have actually, to learn that I'm facetious a yeah, lot. Yeah, no, I, I got because it. Because this is so <laughs> insanely stupid. Uh, it's almost like we've suspended logic and, and common sense. Oh, you know, I heard that there was this wonderful off-label use of a hormone. Loretta, can you tell us about that hormone treatment you were telling me about earlier with the off-label oh, use? Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. This, this, one, this one blew my mind. Oh, it's, and it's, it fits right in because it's right with the transgender movement, whatever a person thinks about it, but they use, I think it was, did I say Lupron? I don't have the paper right in front of me to stop puberty. And this is, it's off-label. It was originally developed as a, a ca chemical castration for male sex offenders. And this is being used, this is the most common drug used to stop puberty, in, in young children as young as 13, 14, if they want to go the transgender route. So the hypocrisy that exists, and then I have another article that said almost 30% of cancer uh, drugs that are prescribed for cancer treatments are not effective. 30%, that's like 30%. That's three out of 10. That's three zero. Three folks. zero. That's, that's, but, that's, but that's, I, that's I, like almost a third of 100%. A, a third, but I don't think people understand because if you, they give you 10 but, drugs but, you for know, cancer, three that, of them don't work. Doesn't that boil down to, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really liberty focused on this. If I am told, Mr. Floyd, you have an illness and that illness is likely to, well, ruin your outlook on the future, let's say. Um, and your dreams and aspirations and your pursuit of happiness and all of these things because this illness it's going to get in the way of that now it might mean that i'm going to die it might mean that i'm going to be disabled it might mean that i just can't bend over anymore mm. um shouldn't i have the freedom to receive all the information necessary and through my own research and advice from friends and family and other medical providers come to the conclusion that if there's an experimental drug out there or an off-label drug that may be beneficial to me to be able to work with my provider and say you know I'd really like to do this if there's a if there's a remote chance that it can change tip the scales to where I still maintain my quality of living or even my life that I should have the ability to pursue that and and get that treatment honestly the perfidy of this is deeper than that. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. You, you used, just you used, used, you used a big word. You, you You're allowed to. We no, like no, no. Just okay. Say, just say. So how do you spell that? P-E-R-F-I-D-Y. So this is something we do because language matters. And we do this in almost every podcast. We Somebody throws out one of these hand grenades. And it's like, what the heck did he just say? <laughs> like perfidy is like really pretty but uh, perfect at the same time. No, that's the wrong definition. So the perfidy... According to uh, the, I think this is Merriam-Webster um, dictionary. Actually, I want to make sure it's not Wikipedia, because I heard the Chinese have been influencing Wikipedia lately. Did you hear that this week? No. Yes, the Chinese have infiltrated Wikipedia, so you can't even, you can't even uh, trust Wikipedia. But we're going to go... That's it. I need to open up a coffee shop. I don't have time to read anything. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, so, so perfidy... Perfidy, according to the Merriam-Webster 
dictionary since 1828, Merriam-Webster. This is their online dictionary. says, the quality or state of being faithless yeah. or disloyal. Mm-hmm. In short, treachery. Mm-hmm. An act or instance of disloyalty. And then we're going to jump real quick into synonyms. Disloyalty, faithlessness, falseness, falsity, inconsistency, infidelity, perfidiousness, unfaithfulness. So what would be the opposite of perfidy? The opposite would be allegiance, consistency, devoted, field? devotedness, faith, faithfulness, fealty, fidelity, loyalty. So, okay, you were saying perfidy. Perfidy. Um, Alaska has an awful lot of us EMTs. As an EMT and other health professionals, you know, nurses, doctors, PAs, NPs, there's a big part of that called consent, informed consent, implied consent, etc. So as an, as an EMT, I've been on scene at an accident, a car accident, with a family, pregnant mother, two children, father driving, none restrained, mother for religious reasons denied care to her family. So as the EMS crew on scene, we are unable to assist this family. So we get to watch them bleed out until they pass out and then it becomes implied consent and we can then administer help. But it might be too late at that point. In this instance, it was. So we basically watched a family of five slowly die in front of us, not able to do anything to help. The perfidy comes in that there's the right for this family to slowly bleed out in front of a team of people ready to help. But our patients don't get the same right to ask for a medication. Well, that's different. Said no one ever. Right. No. Pretty heavy. Pretty heavy, Loretta. It is, but it's it's part of a pattern that exists. You know, I have an article here from Quillette um, blog online, which is, they're supposed to be semi-libertarian kind of people, and it's got understanding the motivated reasoning of anti-vax refuseniks, right? So they were already calling us anti-vax refuseniks. I resemble that remark. Yeah. I'm a... Yeah. I'm a redneck and a refuseneck. But, but this is this is how it works, and this is how it's different, okay? And this is long and convoluted. But then within that article is a link to something called the Disinformation Dozen. So they've already, this is a very liberal website, and they've identified 12 people that they say disseminate anti-vax information that's wrong. So they've already labeled them. Well, quite frankly, I don't follow any of those 12 people. So they're already, you know, they're, they put me in a group of people that I don't belong in. But because I'm an anti-vaxxer, they've said, well, then I went to the other one. They've also got another link, uh, COVID-19. This is from the New England Journal of Medicine. And it, it's supposed to help you assuage your feelings about being vax 
don't vaccinated. Do that. Don't do that. You're going to make me look up another no, word. No, we, we'll just pass that one. We'll just. <laughs> but it says in this article that the information changes. So they made a link to something that totally changes. And then they've got in there. Actually, I found this. Did you know that 50% of all fact, you know, and so this is one of the reasons that some of us don't want to be vaccinated is 50% of all fast-track medications are withdrawn because of severe adverse effects. I'm, I'm sorry, I must interrupt. The fact checkers have uh, reviewed your statement and agree that uh, it is baseless because you came from Canada. Well, no, this was from Canada, too. That was in. <laughs> so, uh, so we okay, are we are know. revising our previous fact-checking um, um, dismissal of your comments and doubling down to say that being from Canada, the <laughs> article being written in Canada is just Canadian propaganda and is it not is, factual. But, but this is an Australian article. Oh, so <laughs> Man, you're going to make me pay these fact-checkers a lot more money. Just apologize. Uh, That's all we want is an apology. That's all we want is an acknowledgement um, that maybe we're right. Recently updated you know? by the CDC <laughs> last week, the definition of apology does no longer mean what it used to mean. And yeah. um, no, but in all yeah. seriousness, you know, th this is pretty disturbing stuff. And, and I want to thank um, Mr. and Miss Giesler for coming in today. Um, we still have some more stuff to talk about, but I want to I want to give them the mic back. And then we're going to talk a little bit about our activities that are scheduled for tomorrow in Soldotna Creek Park. And um and then take any additional information for the good of the order. This is not a committee, but we'll pretend it is. The Committee of Truth. Um, so, I, I don't even know where to go from here. I know. Remdesivir. Wait, I have something else oh, I want okay, to say. Right. Hold on, we'll, we'll go back to monoclonals. <laughs> I've, like I, I've mentioned before, I've only had to send one patient in, and it did not go well because he wasn't allowed to have them. What I would really like to see happen is more healthcare providers do what I'm doing. I'm a functional medicine anti-aging clinic, so I'm, I've, since we opened, I've always been about giving my patients choices, but the science is here, and we have the opportunity to save a lot of lives if other providers would read the studies that the FLCC has compiled. You don't even have to go look for them. They're all there on the website. All f there's a ton. You can read all of the studies in one place. I know they're out there. You know why I know they're out there? Because I've taken care of a lot of providers with COVID in the last, this whole pandemic. I have taken care of countless doctors, nurses, um, So they know the truth through their They know own the truth. Treatment. And the, the, the amount of, it's just, it's just awful because. Using, using your protocol. Yes, they're using the FLCC protocol. I've written prescriptions. Ivermectin. I've taken care of doctors the in the state. They, and they, they've taken it. They've taken it. They've gotten well, but yet they won't prescribe it and they will not support me. It's it's very it is kind of hypocritic. It's, hypocritic. it's, 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 well, it's how, it is. Well, how much how much it's of this? So so I wanna I wanna be sensitive to the idea that I don't know anything or everything, but um, because there are some that would say that. Um, the surgeon I talked to earlier in the week was pretty sure that I uh, was full of it by the look on his face and stuff. Uh, he was like, no, no, you know, everything's copacetic at the hospital and stuff's going good. And, but I don't really know anything because I'm a surgeon and I'm not, the, I'm not the ER doc. I'm not the one doing, you know, attending the patients and that, that sort of thing. And, and he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. But, but I question that because I know he's a nice guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know his, I know his heart. 
He's been coming a long time. And so I have to ask the question, how are doctors who, I believe most of them, got into the profession because they genuinely care for people, how are they being compelled? How are they being coerced? How are they, you know, what are the powers behind the scene scenes that are putting pressure on these doctors because I know you've talked about pressure and I'd like to go to that next um, there's a there's something in the stack of stuff Loretta's waving yeah. about frantically it's so a, it's a joint statement from the American Board of Family Medicine American Board of Internal Medicine and American Board of Pediatrics on the dissemination of misinformation by board certified physicians physicians and they actually in the letter threaten them with revoking certifications, so there, and I'm sure the uh, uh, probably the malpractice organizations are doing the same. And then, of course, we talked about the Prep Act last year, which once you go off those guardrails, you're no longer you no longer have immunity. And I'm sure they're going to go after them. When I I'm and, and I'd heard that, uh, generally speaking, the folks that are prescribing the prophylactic and and um, therapeutic medicines are generally independent doctors or nurse practitioners or PAs that that they are folks that are not part of these networks and uh, these these larger sort of organizations. Um, Kristen. Well, of course, we're a small mom and pop company, so I don't have a corporation telling me that I can't offer my patients alternative treatments. My clinic is based on choice. It's based on alternative root cause medicine. So this is why I choose to, to use these protocols because it is an alternative, yes, but it's my patient's right to have them if they, if they choose to have them. Um, and they work. They absolutely work. I have to pause for a moment. A woman just walked by our, uh, our window and saw our equal rights for <laughs> unborn women sign. She looked at the Trump sign, and then she saw our Alst Murkowski sign. She shook her head in disgust and marched on down the sidewalk. It was, it was actually kind of darkly entertaining. So. <laughs> One for the good people. One for the good people. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so you know, um, Steve. Um, you know, in you mentioning about... Uh, studies and the evidence and the the thing that uh she just mentioned the statement the about statement the about that coercion right and the dissemination of misinformation um we went to uh what was it a borough council meeting mm. the other day and mm. was that the one with ann zinc where she spoke mm. oh okay all yeah. Right. yeah um and it was disturbing you know all of the research that they quoted and the statistics that they they touted um i have no idea where they got their information um you know they actually stated that there are zero studies um that show the efficacy of utiliz utilizing ivermectin well obviously fauci has a secret stash of data mm -hmm. that he dribbles out to the minions sure yeah probably um but there are currently you can pull 55 ongoing studies on ivermectin from clinicaltrials.gov. Um, in May, May 16th, there was a meta-analysis done of those 55 studies, and it showed 100% of 36 early treatment and prophylaxis studies report a positive effect. 
So not all of the studies, of course, are on early treatment and prophylaxis, but the 36 studies that are, 100% of them show a positive improvement. Pro um, prophylaxis meaning preventative. Mm -hmm. Correct. Pre preventative use. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I won't bore you with all of the meta-analysis, but the one that really stood out to me was that all 55 studies show a positive result at this point, and the statistical analysis of having 55 studies mm -hmm. all to show a false positive mm. would be one in 23 trillion. Maybe they're colluding. Is it is it possible that they're colluding against the they government? They were all done over different oh, wait, years. Wait, no, maybe <laughs> the, maybe, maybe the government's <laughs> colluding against the people. Yeah. So, um, Kristen, you had some, some additional comments to, to add to that. Um, go ahead. So, did you want me to go over a little bit about the protocol just a little yes, bit so that yes, you okay yeah so we're going to go as long as this takes folks you know um uh we may pause for a refreshment break and bathroom break but um that's the wonder of post-production we can make it seamlessly seem like we never left <laughs> amazing bathroom <laughs> breaks are a good thing okay yeah. so the flcc alliance if you go to their website flccc.net all of the protocols are tabulated there you can find them anybody can read them i highly recommend that everybody take the sub Supplements because I have seen sicker patients that have nutrient deficiencies. If you don't take vitamin D, you don't take zinc, you're probably going to have bad COVID. That is just what I'm observing. I actually, in my functional medicine practice last year, I had very few COVID patients because I monitor my patients' nutrients. I check their vitamin panels all the time. Um, most of the COVID patients have been patients seeking care for COVID that are not my typical functional medicine vitamin patients does and that make sense you're using cutting-edge science to measure their levels and all this oh stuff. yeah i yeah. use a real lab believe it or okay. not because because I mean, in I my mind um, in my mind i had a flashback to the movie empire of the sun oh Lord. do you remember remember when uh, the the young emperor would leave a stool sample and his advisors would go and dissect that to make sure he was healthy you, okay, you guys now, you guys don't now, do that, right? There's a lot of poop in my office. <laughs> we do lots of stool analysis. Okay. She's the queen. We look the for queen. everything. <laughs> we look for calprotectin. We look for fungal. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can find about someone. But it's, high, it's highly advanced yes. technology, I use, though. I use Quest Labs. I have Quest in my office. Okay. Um, it's a lot more affordable than the hospital lab, so that's why I use well, it. I'm not all too certain that the hospital lab is a great place to... No get the best outcome at this point from everything i'm hearing anecdotally of course you know but um i see a lot of people in the coffee shop and there are a lot of people that are really pissed off at the hospital and i think the hospital needs to check itself before it wrecks itself so i attribute my low covid numbers in my patient population to i measure their zinc i measure their vitamin d um, I do their metabolic labs. You know, I look for diabetes. I look for hyperlipidemia. I look for disease. So I make sure that they're healthy going into the COVID season. You know, it's just, unfortunately, we have a COVID season now to even say that. So my, my, my takeaway, my takeaway <laughs> syringes is for that everyone. everybody, little people and big people should be taking vitamin D, zinc, quercetin, vitamin C. It's a big deal. That includes hobbits. The little people. The little people. The little yeah, people. Okay. Yes. We, we try to keep a little bit of levity here because this can be. This is really, really, really depressing. 
This yes. is super it depressing. Is. Yes, but you know what? I take care of little people. I take care of pregnant people with COVID. Like, everybody should get care with COVID. There should be no go home and just lay there. Just do nothing. You know, it's, I have midwives sending me patients to treat their COVID-positive yeah, pregnant women. Um, you can't use ivermectin early pregnancy, but you can at the end. Um, anyway, go ahead, Steve. Sorry. You're right. It's depressing. But I think it's also a great opportunity. Yes. Um, you know, if we look at the history of America, mm-hmm. it's the trying times that make our country great. You know, Man, you yes. could not make a better segue <laughs> for our discussion about tomorrow. Oh, good. Continue with your, your thought. Well, you know, I think potentially one of the reasons America's in the position we are is because leading up until the Cold War, look how many times we went to war, how many battles we fought, how many times we had to suffer through adversity as a nation. And then we had this great time of long peace, prosperity, you know, each generation had it easier. We had MTV. We had Nintendos. We, the war we fought was on Sega. Um, and now all of a sudden we've got this, this great strife across our nation that's dividing families. Um, you know, I talk, to, I talk to families every day. You know, people call. I'm the one that's answering the phone and returning calls until 9 o'clock at night. And, and I will attest to that. Because Steve called me at nine o'clock at night, I was I was floored that I got a provider that actually called me after operating hours. It's the only way to keep up. Um, but I think that this is the opportunity um, for us to to come together, you know, to put aside um, our egos and you know take a real look at what it means to be an American and a community and have an opportunity to come together and become the great nation that we, you and I grew up in. We're all going to take a selfie after this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) All right. So tell us a little bit about the, the protocols. So if, if, if more than just myself was doing this, we could eliminate COVID mm-hmm. without a doubt. The ER has no idea. The, the, actually, all of the emergency departments have no idea how many patients, the few of us that have been using this protocol have alleviated patients being in the hospital because mm-hmm. our patients are getting well within 24 to 48 hours. I think what breaks my heart the most is getting phone calls for family members of loved ones in the hospital mm-hmm. and they're begging me to take care of their loved ones in the hospital and I can't and I cry. Because I can't. My hands are tied with that. Once they're in the hospital, I can't intervene. But there's so many things that could be done for them. There's the Merrick protocol and, of course, the FLCC protocol. All of this stuff would, would help these yeah. patients be well. And it's just not they're, – they're, they're not open to anything like that. So the protocol, um, available on flcc.net, flcc.net. And basically, if you're working in healthcare or with the public, you can go on prophylaxis. Um, it's 0.2 milligrams per kilo twice a week. Of, of ivermectin. Of ivermectin. Kilos. Another, so, yes, you have another, to do math. Another Canadian practice. <laughs> kilos. Yes, I do math all day. Yeah. No. I think we're being silently invaded by Canada. It's so, med- if, you are, <laughs> if you're a bigger is. human, you're going to but lose a so lot nice. more. Um, I have some folks that have needed a lot of ivermectin, in, and it's weight-based in order for it to work. So that's why we can treat all ages and sizes, because it's weight-based. So preventative, you take it twice a week. If you are in direct contact with someone, like say your, your wife tests positive, you immediately go up to the 0.4 
milligram per kilo dose, and you do that once and then again in 48 hours. If you end up positive in there, because you know you probably didn't know you were being exposed the week previously to your wife or loved one, um, you and you get sick, you go to the full protocol, which is 0 0.4, 0 0.4 to 0.6 per kilo for five to 10 days or until you're better. Um, if I have someone super sick, there are more drugs in the protocol. Um, and this is where things are starting to really stress me because up until recently, I could always call in prednisone, uh, azithromycin if I needed it. I could call in adjunct therapy. And prednisone's just a, just, a steroid. Just a steroid. I right. mean, they use it with psoriasis. Um, and... Fluvoxamine. Um, in the, in the, azithromycin is more for COVID pneumonia. It's not in the protocol. But I could call in other drugs for supportive care, specifically the dutasteride, spironolactone, and fluvoxamine. And now pharmacists are starting to say, no, we don't want to fill that either. Mm. So it's like the patients are, you know, waiting 24 hours for their ivermectin to come from the lower 48, and they don't have anything to use in the meantime. It's 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 really freaking you know me what, out. You know what happens when, when the government takes over mm -hmm. medical choice? We, history shows us mm -hmm. what happens when mm -hmm. government takes over medical choice. Tyranny rules, mm -hmm. and people get hurt. Right. People right. die. Mm -hmm. And the blood of the people who are dying is on the hands of our current administration. I'll say it. If nobody else will say it, I'll say it. I'll say that Governor Dunleavy, as big and tough as he talks about pushing back against the governor, continues to allow a chief medical officer to run around the state and deceive people into believing that their only option is an experimental medication. Mm -hmm. And its next 2.0 version, which was rushed through the FDA process, which we, we learned this week that... Uh, an advisory panel has said that they are not going to approve a third yeah. dose um, or they're recommending against it at this point. They're not going to approve it. But um, the FDA and the president were surprised. But for over 65s. Yeah, but, they but they're going to they're give an emergency right yeah. uh, exemption to yeah. the over 65 to go ahead and get that yeah. third dose. To your point, um, the 1905 Supreme Court ruling, um, Jacobson versus Massachusetts. Oh, I was hoping you'd talk about that. It's in my notes. <laughs> uh, I guess we're on the same page today. Um, <laughs> no, my page is over here, but that's okay. Go ahead. Um, actually upheld that it's the, the state's place um, for making those types of choices. It also um, upholds the that accept in extreme cases that patients should be allowed rights. Mm. Um, and, you know, back at the time of, like, the smallpox epidemic, you know, 30% death rate, uh, more contagious than COVID, it's completely understandable when the states stepped in and mandated forced vaccinations. Um, in this current setting, though, um, the fear that they're putting into us um, outweighs the science. Do we know how many people died from the smallpox vaccination? Is there any data on that? Not that I have at my fingertips. That that that'd be interesting yeah. because the VERS system, the 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 reporting system for adverse reactions and and, and stuff. I mean, those numbers are. I I can't remember if it was the Harvard or Yale study that said that they were like only capturing like 10%. They estimate 10% mm -hmm. of the total 
total negative reactions and things, and their death rates were extremely high. Yeah, and and uh, the swine flu. Yeah, yeah, and from the CDC itself for the 2020, uh, it's a thousand percent. Vers reporting is a thousand percent. Well, obviously, the government's vaccination yeah. program is working. Yeah, obviously, but this is from the CDC. But what is it? What is it actually doing? That's the question because it's working to what end? My, my, you know, I have a tinfoil hat. It's very mm-hmm. nice. I keep it in my back pocket, and occasionally I pull it out and I put it on my head. And I'm saying, you know, if they are so fiercely promoting this protocol of vaccination, 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 booster, 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 um, ignore all the data coming out of uh, Israel that now touts having 85% vaccination rate. And it's failing. And it's failing. We're not going to, nothing to see here except mm-hmm. for the data points we want to cherry pick and zinc. And um, what is the government trying to do? Because it's not trying to make us better. It's not trying to make us healthier. It's not trying to make this pandemic go away. They are drunk on power. Yeah. They're drunk on control. We have an administration who has outright declared war on 80 million people and said we've been patient with you (laughs) and now it's time to pay the piper because you've cost us all we're tired and high cost and shortages and lockdowns and masking it's all your fault you 80 million scumbags who did not take the vaccine so you know what if you belong to an organization that has 100 employees or more you're mandated to get the vax whether you want it or not. And guess what? If you don't, you got to be tested. And, and guess what? If you don't want to do that, you get to lose your job. And what do you bet that those people aren't eligible for unemployment benefits? Right. What do you want to bet that that's next? Uh, we've already seen people be treated as second-class citizens when they go to the ER all across America. Well, you're not vaccinated. Well, you go to the back of the line, mister. Well, I have an arterial bleed. Well, I'm sorry, you're unvaccinated. Um, I actually had a, a very disturbing conversation with one of our patients who had a, a family member go to an emergency room, and they overheard the emergency room physician state that, in their opinion, if someone was unvaccinated, they were unworthy to receive treatment. In 1947, there was a little thing called the Nuremberg trial. And I recall there were medical professionals that were executed as a result of the outcome. I'm going to segue here. Tomorrow there is a rally in the park. Folks, if you don't step up and you don't stand tall, you can expect nothing but more of the same and in ever-increasing levels of tyranny. Your friends and loved ones, you may not care much for your own self, but I'm sure you have a, a, a care for your children mm-hmm. or your grandmother or your father. If you don't, then there's something, there is something literally wrong with your brain. You need to see a mental health clinician because you have a mental disorder. We have a rally tomorrow in Soldotna Creek Park. It is a peaceful, respectful protest against mandates we have uh, activated a number of folks that are going to be coming and speaking 
Um, we have gotten confirmations from uh, House Representative Christopher Kirka. You'll recall that he was one of the few that took the mask off. He was he was bitterly punished for it, um, publicly ridiculed on the floor by Louise Stutes, who I have no respect for, not one scintilla of respect. I don't know why Kodiak continues to elect her. She needs to be gone. But um, Representative David Eastman, uh, he is a, a veteran. I believe he is a... Um, He's a graduate from the military academy, the, uh, um, oh, what's the Army's military academy? Um, West Point. I think it was West Point. I think he's a West Point graduate. Um, if not, then it was the Air Force Academy. I, I'm sorry, David, I, I don't have that in my notes. But he's coming down. He'll be talking about his efforts. You'll recall that last week, Representative Sarah Hannon from Juneau, said that the ends justify the means and that mm-hmm. there was beneficial data that came out of yeah. the Nazi experimentation on people they froze to death and broke their fingers and toes off of. Because, you know, it ultimately helped some some doctor in Alaska become a leading expert in frostbite and, uh, and uh, hi- uh, hypothermia because he, he went back and mined the data that these, these Nazis had, had, had compiled, you know. Silver lining. Now, she, oh, yeah, you know, there's always a good side to tyranny. According to Representative Hannon, Representative Hannon, you are a Nazi. I don't care how you try to dance and walk it back. You are a Nazi, and history will not be kind to you. This is a warning to all you would-be uh, repressors of the truth. The public is aware. We are watching. And the harder you push to destroy our liberties the more apparent the spirit of America is going to reveal itself. Steve. Regardless of whether you're for or against ivermectin, a vaccine, or some other treatment, we need to respect rights, people's rights. Correct. To choose, and as much as possible, lest we go from the land of the free and the home of the brave to the land of the scared and the home of the sheep. (laughs) Amen. 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 Preach it, brother. I'll give you a lectern next time. Hoo Pound on something. <laughs> Amen, brother. I love watching uh, the Parliament, the British Parliament. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. So tomorrow's a peaceful, respectful protest. We're asking you to come with your signs. Bring your friends, your family, your kids, your anybody who will come. Uh, this is not a partisan activity. This is an activity for Americans who love liberty. That means all of our Democrat neighbors out there. That means all our libertarian neighbors, our green neighbors. That means all of our undeclared folks politically. This is not a tribal issue, folks. No. This is not a partisan topic. We need to take the politics out of medicine and restore personal liberty. And this is not an anti-vaccination rally. No. If you feel like you need to take the vaccine, they have shown that it does have some beneficial things. They have also shown that there are some potential side effects. That was one of the things I asked this pharmacist the other day. Oh, I am glad I remembered this. This is like one of the one of the big deals in my conversation with him. I said, you know, every time I go to the pharmacy, I get this bag with whatever you know script is being filled, and it's always full of toilet paper. I mean, you know, stuff about how this mm. medicine's going to kill me, um, because 
realistically, any medicine you take could have an adverse reaction on your body because our bodies are so individual. Just look at Tylenol. Tylenol. I mean, how long has Tylenol been around? How many people has Tylenol killed? You know, um, but so so you get that that adverse reaction sort of sheet that says, hey, don't take it with this medicine. Don't drive when you're doing this. Don't uh, you know, it could don't go in the sun because you're going to burn your face off with this antibiotic. If you know, you're going to get third degree sunburn or whatever. And then and then oh, and also the known side effects are that in some people, their left arm fell off and (laughs) and other people, you know, they had dry mouth for 10 years and other people, you know, um, all their hair fell out, you know. All, all that sort of stuff, right? So I asked this pharmacist, I was like, so how come when people go and get the vaccine, they don't get a, a, a sack of stuff? Mm. Oh, they right? don't. They don't. Oh. Where, where, where's all, where are all those indicators? Where are all the, oh, this might, um, this might kill your baby if you take it? Because that's happening mm-hmm. in Israel. I heard a statistic. It was like 80% of the women who received the vaccine who were pregnant miscarried. You know, where, where's that sack of stuff? Where is it? Mm. Well, he... T- <laughs> oh, my gosh. This guy's response was, was so ridiculous. He's like, well, let me ask you this, Jason. You know, if you were deciding that you would like to move to Florida, and I were to tell you, you know, Florida's full of gators and chiggers and hurricanes and, mm-hmm. and uh, poisonous snakes and crime, you know. You wouldn't really want to move there anymore, would you? Or, or what about this? What about if we told you um, uh, that you were thinking of coming to Alaska, and Alaska's full of man-eating bears, that bears could eat you, that we have earthquakes and volcanoes and, you know, he went on and on, mosquitoes and blah, 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 blah. And I, and, and I said, are you seriously saying that the reason why we don't get that sack of stuff with the vaccine is because it might change our mind? Because when we read it, we're going to go, holy crap, I'm not putting this poison in my body. Yeah. If, if there's this percentage or this chance that I can get sick or that I'm not going to be able to stave off other infection later or, you know, that, that you know, it could kill my baby or X, Y, Z, you know, blood clots, all, all the other stuff we know is happening with this. All the things that cause the VERS, you know, reporting system yeah. to be at a thousand percent, percent, you know, but don't give them the information because they might change their mind. Well, that is a violation of the foundation of the Nuremberg Code of 1947. Informed consent is the cornerstone upon which everything sets. And so, uh, I don't know if you guys' time is growing short. Okay. No, no, it's the office phone. Oh, okay. Yeah, so somebody needs your help. You want to step away and take the phone? Okay. He's shaking his head. I think he's having fun. Is this the first fun that you've had, Steve, in a while? Fun? Fun? <laughs> is that is a dirty is, word? Is this fun? <laughs> We've been working like 16-hour days. It's It's... Literally in the morning, Monday, I think we had a hundred voicemails. Because, oh my gosh! Um, I'm what I'm trying to do is see my functional patients and then fit the sick ones in the be well sick patients in in between. So we we're working late hours and. So come to Soldotna Creek t- uh, Park tomorrow. I'm going to upload this episode uh, right after we conclude it today. Um, it has gone long, and um, but before we close out, uh, just when you come, you're going to be able to meet. Um, Kristen and, and Steve, and you're going to be able to meet Representative Kirka. You're going to be able to meet Representative 
uh, Eastman. Um, Representative Vance has has uh, given me a written statement. She's not going to be able to show up. I'm expecting a written statement from Senator Laura Reinbold, the only person with huevos in Juneau, which is interesting because the governor's a big man, so you would expect big huevos, but they're missing, and I don't know why. Anyway, um, my comments are my maybe own. They don't reflect on my guests. And, um, maybe he but, uh, but we have, we have a, um, a petition that we're going to ask you to sign while you're there. It's part of the Alaskans Against Mandates. Um, David Eastman's wife, I believe she's a molecular biologist. She started the petition. She's been going all over the state collecting signatures for this, and it's going to be used to compel the legislature to actually do something this year other than collect per diem. So um, the other thing that we're going to have is we have a citizen's declaration of medical liberty that we are going to have, and I'm going to read that here on the air. And I've shopped this around to a, a good number of well-educated folks to get their feedback and it's in like its third revision draft but this is something that we're going to offer to people it'll be available on the website uh, the Facebook page I'll put it up on the ammo can coffee social club website you'll be able to download it um, we'll have a couple different versions where you can sign your name on it you can put it on your house on your business you can go hand it to the your favorite politician or the the ones that you hate the most um, and I would say don't hate people love them love them like you would love a little bunny if you were a toddler just squeeze them with your love you know squeeze them with your love and if we if we can if we can squeeze them with a bunch of letters and 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 compel them to feel the pressure we feel right now so are you saying that we should Hold them and love them and call them George. Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> so you're a Looney Tunes generation too. Oh yeah. All right, fist bump, fist bump. All right, Looney Tunes rock. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just gonna squeeze them, pat them, and pet them, and I'm not gonna say the other part, but um, you know, uh, just just let them know they're loved. Mm. You know, uh, the Bible says something about uh, your enemies who will despitefully use and abuse you that you should pray for blessings and that if they don't repent from their wicked ways that it would be as better that it would be like uh, God has heaped coals on their head mm. so so you have to do it in love mm. so pray for Ann Zinc pray for the governor pray for everyone that uh, is going down the wrong path here and pray that God would bless them immensely mm -hmm. and um, it's up to them folks they have they have individual liberty to decide how they treat the rest of us and if they don't want to follow the golden rule and treat us as they would wish to be treated themselves I wouldn't want to be them so I'm gonna go ahead and read this this is the citizens declaration of medical liberty section one concerning the voluntary and informed consent of medical subjects Medical practitioners and governmentally proposed or decreed vaccination mandates and vaccine passports, this Citizens Declaration of Medical Liberty reaffirms, celebrates, and demands professional medical and governmental adherence to following three points. First, the professional, philosophical, ethical, and practice standards set out by the Hippocratic Oath. We don't expect you to pledge to Apollo and all the Greek gods, but the philosophy, the, 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 the idea of the Hippocratic Oath should not be lost on this generation. And if you're practicing in medicine and you don't wholly aspire to ascribe to that ethical standard, 
then get out. Find something else to do. Take up pottery or something. <laughs> the second point is the standard set out by the Nuremberg Code of 1947. Read it. It's readily available online for a while yet. They haven't censored it yet. But uh, go read it. There's ten points in that. We've read them before on, on the podcast. They're pretty significant. And finally, the standards set out by the World Medical Association in the Declaration of Helsinki. Ethical Principles for Medical Research Involving Human Subjects. That was uh, developed back in the 60s. And it's sort of an updated version of that Nuremberg Code from 1947. Where any conflicts in standards between these three documents may arise, the highest standard elevating the rights of each patient as an individual above the threat of elected official, government agency, or agent, medical, professional, or researcher prevails. Section 2. Concerning the use of administrative mandates and executive orders which illegally require involuntary patient or citizen compliance with unlawful quarantine, lockdown, social distancing, individual masking, and vaccination requirements. This citizen's declaration of medical liberty reaffirms and demands elected officials, government agencies, and agents observe and defend, one, the individual rights of citizens proclaimed in the U.S. Declaration of Independence and secured by the sacrifices of our forebearers and American patriots. Two, those individual rights further enumerated and ratified in the Alaska State Constitution and the Constitution of the United States of America. We do this in this order because we are a sovereign state. People need to remember the federal government unifies us in purpose for the national defense and to secure liberty, but the state carries the day. They are the primary agent, and we need our state to step up. And three... The acknowledgments and assertions contained in the Great Barrington Declaration of October 4th, 2020. If you haven't read it, read it. Great Barrington Declaration. It is the sacred duty of medical practitioners and all elected representatives of the people. At each level of government, through vigilant consideration of the standards listed in Section 1, and with solemn deference to the people's self evident and inalienable rights as enumerated under section 2 to in ranking order first act to protect preserve and defend the rights of the in, of individual citizens to informed medical consent and the pursuit of self-determined medical treatment options and outcomes and if so desired with support and assistance of a qualified medical professional of their own choosing Second, to altruistically and faithfully serve, submit to, and take direction from the natural law expounded by Hippocrates and recognized in the Declaration of Independence by all faith systems and given to us by the Almighty. When the executive branch of government, subdivision thereof, or an activist court seek to supplant the constitutional role of the legislative branch or otherwise undermine the self-evident truths and inalienable rights of the governed as defined in the U.S. Declaration of Independence, either through control and denial of individual medical liberty, executive fiat, censorship, social or economic coercion, levy of fines, illegal taking of property or livelihood or imprisonment, 
withholding of government contracts, grants, or scholarships, or by denying equal consideration, public funding and support, or otherwise open access to viable alternative medical treatments and therapies. It is the moral and legal duty of both medical practitioners and elected officials operating at all levels of government to decline, deny, nullify, or otherwise refuse to facilitate, observe, or enforce any related administrative decree, order, edict, mandate, or other proclamation not otherwise lawfully enacted by the people. Any medical practitioner who knowingly or willfully acts through purposeful omission or under direction in violation of the tenets of this citizen's declaration of medical liberty knowingly violates long-standing established and accepted ethical standards governing their profession. Medical practitioners acting in this manner should be held publicly accountable and barred from further access to or use of public funds, public facilities, and from holding public office or a license to practice the medical arts. Any elected, appointed, or otherwise employed government official who knowingly or willfully acts through purposeful omission or under direction in violation of the tenets of this citizen's declaration of medical liberty is in direct violation of both the Alaska and U.S. Constitution, is operating outside of their prescribed legal authority, is guilty of ethical and legal malfeasance, and knowingly abdicates their otherwise legitimately a legitimate authority to govern and act on behalf of the people. It is the duty of our duly elected representatives to actively seek to censure, impeach, dismiss, or otherwise remove any government official acting in this manner, or themselves must be called under the same question. Short of an appropriately responsive government, we, the citizens of Alaska and of the United States of America, reserve and reaffirm the right to remove illegitimate and tyrannical government officials through the prescribed electoral process, recall, impeachment, or by any other proportional means prescribed by law or otherwise necessary to reestablish and secure personal medical liberty. So much like the government will put a notice on your door if they feel you violated something, <laughs> we're putting this notice on their door because they're violating us. So we encourage you to come out. We encourage you to show your support. We encourage you to march with us. And we want to trigger a movement across this state so that our elected officials know that they will be held to account for their decisions, their choices, their statements, and their actions, and that, that we're coming for them if they don't step up. If they don't step up, then they need to voluntarily step aside, or we're coming for their jobs. And if they insist on coming after us and attacking our liberty directly and deprive us of our homes, deprive us of our livelihood, deprive us of our freedom we have other alternatives available to us so it's time for people to be bold be courageous stand together because where one voice may be easily silenced many voices raised in and this is important righteous solidarity righteous is right thinking rightly founded solidarity must prevail so this has been the Amokan Coffee Social Club.
Conservative Hour of Power and Enlightenment Salon. Thank you for joining us. Please come tomorrow. We look forward to seeing you next week at the same time. God bless you.